0: fear of a novel virus isolation job loss how do they affect your mental health and what can you do to counter them
1: welcome back to easier with a friend a podcast about two lifelong friends helping each other navigate adulthood with your host chi and Lane. Today we're discussing mental health resolutions as we go into 2021.
0: Precisely, mental health has been a bit of a hot button topic recently, and rightfully so, we think. Chi, we've previously discussed our resolutions for the year, and I don't think either one of us put this on our list, but after some talks, we've decided to add this. Why was it an important goal for you this year?
1: Well, one word, uncertainties. There are a lot of events that are happening that are just out of our control, pandemic, social distancing, the economic crisis that many families are going through, online Mm -hmm. schooling. I think there's a lot of anxiety and depression that you can physically feel.
0: Right. Well, what does mental health mean to you?
1: I actually looked this up and the World Health Organization says that it is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. So in other words, can you function? Can you do what you need to do with your life? Work, right? socialize, things like that.
0: Okay. Well, I think it's a really important thing, like I said, to talk about. And mental health, to me, it falls into kind of that self-care category, right? Where it's i think of it as a little bit like when your airplane is taking off and they go ladies and gentlemen if you if anything happens put your own oxygen mask on before you help anybody i guess to me particularly as women and m- men might think differently about this but i think we are very prone to putting other people's well-being and things we need to do for other people ahead of ourselves and what we need and mental health is one of the things that I think suffers when we do a lot of well-intentioned, right? Things for other people, family, friends, and then really have less time for ourselves and to really take care of our mental health. So have you had past mental health struggles? I know the answer to this, but you, you can share with our audience a little bit about anything that you'd like to tell them about any past mental health issues for
1: me, it's something that I would say runs in the family a little bit, or at least I know other people in my family have dealt with it, although it's not a topic we discuss. And I think that's true for a lot of family and probably even more so for a lot of Asian families where we don't talk Mm -hmm. a lot about mental health. So there hasn't really been, and that's the thing too about mental health, right? So there hasn't been really any major events in my life that would give me a lot of reasons to be sad or depressed. And so you feel a sense of, well, I'm so privileged. I'm so lucky. Why do I feel this way? Why is there this this depression or sadness or anxiety that I'm dealing with? But that's part of it. That's part of the mental health struggles that I guess I've dealt with since at least high school, teenage years of high school is when I can Mm -hmm. recall kind of having these bouts of depression, if you will. And it continued right. throughout my college years. Some of it was struggling with adjusting to college life and being away from home for the first time, having to financially figure it out because my parents weren't well off enough and they didn't really have much say for me to go to college. And so having to figure out loans and financial aid and all that. Again, I don't necessarily feel like there is a big event or or some tragic thing. And and there's a sense of why, why do I feel this way? I should not be feeling this way. But I know for you, there have been events in your life that I've been able to witness that Mm -hmm. has somewhat
0: triggered your depression. Sure. Well, and before I go into that, I do want to make a note that I think it's very common to feel the way that you're talking about. Right? Hey, what do I have to be sad about? I live in a first world country. I have, quote, rich people problems, right? I'm not necessarily that you're rich by American standards, but just when you compare yourself to the rest of the world, and both of our families are immigrant families, compare yourself to what people in your parents' country of origin might have. You feel very privileged and very much like. Why should I have struggles? Why should I feel sad? But I think that's the insidious thing about mental health is that when you're in those struggles, you do beat yourself up a little bit about, hey, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I'm privileged. I'm whatever. I'm lucky. I should feel happy. But that's just not how mental health works. You can have all the privilege, acknowledge it, do your best to be grateful and happy for it. And yet it still drags you down. So my and that I guess comes to my personal experience about it. So as she said, and for those listeners who don't know, we've been friends, right? 25 plus years. So obviously we've been through a lot of struggles together that she's helped me through. And one of, I I would say the greatest struggles in my life was when my grandmother passed away. My grandmother passed away when I was about 20 years old, right in there. And my grandfather had passed away two years before that when I was 18. And they, they both were the ones who had really raised me ever since I was a baby, really. My mother passed away when I was very, very young. I don't have any memories of her. I think I was a year and a half old. So they always raised me. They lived with our family until they both passed away. And for all intents and purposes, they were really kind of like my parents. When she passed away that year, it was very difficult for me. I was really depressed for quite a few years, actually. Again, kind of bringing back to what she was saying, I think Asian families, or at least me at that age, because it's not something Asian families necessarily discuss, and probably not even something other families discuss either a ton, is that I had no coping mechanisms for what was happening to me. I had no idea what it even was. So that comes back to what I was saying earlier. I think during that time, there was a lot of internal talk of what do I have to be sad about? (laughs) Why am I sad? I'm going to college. I'm spending time with my friends. Life is pretty good. There's nothing to really be upset about. I'm not hungry. I'm not living on the street, so many more people are so much less fortunate than me. Why can't I get up in the morning and function like a normal person and be happy? But you can't. The acknowledgement of that, I think, is the first step to really getting better a little bit. I guess for me personally, I feel once I came out of all of that and realized that was what was happening, it's been easier... For me to recognize it coming back or recognize days when I'm feeling kind of glum and easier to divert myself and work on getting out of that funk. I also, I guess for me, and I don't know if this is just adulthood, (laughs) because adulting is sometimes so terrible, or (laughs) if it's once you've had the depression, it sometimes can kind of be a cyclical thing but I feel that once I had gone through that I do feel that there are times when in my life when I can feel like oh I'm definitely not mentally in a great place when I was younger I feel like I never felt that but I was always happy but maybe it's just youth and the inability to recognize when I was going through those bouts. So that kind of brings me to my next question. But for you, like these days, as an adult with adult struggles, what do you kind of tend to do to keep your mental health strong?
1: Yeah, I I love everything you just said, because I very much have very similar experience and observation having gone through my own experiences with depression and anxiety. For me, it sounds strange, but it starts with getting better sleep. There's there's just self-care things, trying to control my stress, having good sleep hygiene. Like I try to stick to an exact time that I go to bed every day. I try to give mm-hmm. myself a limited amount of times that I can dilly-dally on my cell phone right before bed or whatever. And I do a form of meditation. Okay, I don't want to use that word because I feel like I don't do it justice. But for lack of a better description, I do a form of meditation to get my mind right so that I can fall asleep. Because my Mm -hmm. problem is, it just goes, my mind just goes on and on and on and it won't calm down. So that's definitely something that I feel has really helped me. But another strange one that I do, I think, you know, you'll probably laugh at is, when we were in college, we watch, and we really enjoy watching a lot of scary movies, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't the only thing we did. We, we watched a lot of like Lord of the Rings and things like that too, but we, <laughs> we liked our fair share of scary movies. And I started this when I was pregnant with my oldest daughter for completely different reasons. I wanted to kind of just avoid those negative energy and, and those kind of negative wow. chemicals in my body. And I stopped watching scary movie when I was pregnant with her. hmm But I realized that I really enjoy in general now, not having those negative feelings, even if it's just through a movie and I don't enjoy that thrill anymore. Maybe I'm just getting so old that even scary (laughs) movies are too much thrill for me, but I avoid scary movie. And I really try to focus my mind on just positive things and surround myself with positive things, positive thoughts, that energy, whatever it is that I'm doing. The other thing I do is just to learn to let go of things that I cannot control. That one is more for my anxiety. I know with you, it was a lot more depression. But for mm-hmm. me, I feel like I have a lot of anxiety that stem from needing to control, make lists and plan things out step by step. Again, making lists is one of those things I do to help make me feel like I have more control. Mm-hmm. But the last... 12 months or so, I've really tried to focus on forcing myself to let go of things that I cannot control. Okay. And say, it is what it is. I will refocus my energy onto something else that I can control. Make a list for something else, another project that I can control. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. The last one that I would have to say is that I just keep busy. So, uh, back to the meditation at night thing, because my mind won't shut off. If I let it wander freely, it would go into fears and anxieties and depression. It would mm-hmm. go and explore all the worst case scenario of what could happen with this thing I need to do tomorrow, or why mm-hmm. did I say this today to that person, or just minute things. So if I keep it busy and productive, keep my mind focused on what I think would be a lot more productive than letting it just wander freely, it really, really helps me kind of keep myself from falling into that pit and keep okay. my anxiety
0: from getting out of control right of all the things you've brought up i think especially that whole not being able to fall asleep at night i can definitely see how that it would be a vicious cycle right like you stay awake at night thinking about all these things so you don't get good sleep and or you don't get enough sleep and that really tends to feed into then stress hormones in your body and then it doesn't help you to sleep the next night and it's just like kind of a vicious cycle i particularly want to ask you about that tip. I know you said it's not really meditation, but I think this probably happens to a lot of people who are listening to our podcast. What do you do specifically? Maybe give us kind of an outline of how you distract yourself and not like particularly, I guess, right before you're going to sleep to try to calm your mind down.
1: Yeah. So I know a lot of people do meditation and they're practicing to get their mind to calm down. They're, they're focusing, let's say on, a single word or an image or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm not there yet. I'm not someone who is good at this or I've done this for years. But I would say my cheat to get my mind to focus mm-hmm. is I listen to something that I don't care that much about. So some people like to do sound machines and night kind of night sounds and calming sounds. And I'm sure that works for a lot of people. I have tried that like the this is the rainforest sound or this is (laughs) this is the the uh, thunderstorm sound or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, But it doesn't work as well for me because listening to the thunderstorm still allow it's coming. Right. It's Mm coming, but it still allows my mind to be actively thinking about other things. So instead, I force it to think about something else that I am not that invested in. It's not Got that it. important to me. And example, like an uh, audiobook kind of thing. I don't do audiobook because when I start reading a book, it's actually very like I get so invested into it that I <laughs> I get like, oh my gosh, I know what I want to know what happens and I won't go to <laughs> sleep. Right. It's too exciting. It's too, too stimulating. So what I do is I listen to sports. Interesting. I basketball I listen to you name it I listen to sports because there's I'm sure for men it is probably not going to work for them or if someone not just men but anyone who's really into sports it probably will because you're wondering like what's the score who's you know what's going on who's gonna (laughs) win this game I'm not that invested in it but it is something that kind of I, I am somewhat interested in, but I don't, I'm not interested enough to stay up to see who wins. And Got a lot it. of the time, even if it's a game that, let's say between two teams that I'm interested in, I want to know who won. I probably already looked it up before I even started listening to it. Right. Like, I put on a little 30, 45 minutes, whatever it is that I could find randomly of a sports game. I know it sounds silly, right? But that's no. me. Keep my mind on something. But at the same time, be able to fall asleep because I'm not, I don't care that much about it. So again, I, I didn't want to use the word meditation because this is definitely not meditation. <laughs> not. I just, <laughs> a quick explanation is that that's what's happening to me is that I'm okay. able to calm my mind and focus it towards something else and then be able to fall asleep.
0: Well, so I, I, I understand what you mean now. It's definitely not meditation in the traditional sense of the word. And yet I have to tell you that I personally think it's brilliant. So for our listeners, I had no idea this was something that she was doing. I found out just now when she told all (laughs) of us together. And, but I can see the brilliance in it because it's words, right? So you're distracting yourself instead of with music or something that still allows you to think words and thoughts in your head. You distract yourself with what is still verbal so it doesn't really allow you to think cohesively maybe in, in strings of thoughts, but it isn't important enough to you to keep you awake. So I think the brilliance of that tip is really learning to do what works for you, right? It's true. And I mean, because everyone's ways of coping with mental health or maintaining their mental health are going to be completely different because I, I mean, I know a lot of people whose idea of self-care is coming home and pouring a glass of wine and taking a hot bath. And that's great. And all it, like, for me, it does help me relax, but for me, that's not really how I keep my my mental health sharp. So for instance, you know, you have your tricks. And for me, I typically, two major things, one of them overlaps with yours. That's the kind of ignoring the items that you really can't control or telling yourself, Hey, I'm, I don't have any say in that. So I need to focus on the items that I can control and almost diverting your energy so that you do something productive, which you are able to do and keep in check. And that helps cope with things that are going on. For And for instance, just like this last year, right? The pandemic, we can't control when vaccines get found, how many doses we'll get, So I don't focus on those things. I focus on, hey, I know there's a global pandemic. What is my family going to do to do our best to not catch COVID, right? Uh, Sanitizing, wearing masks, making sure the cars are stocked with alcohol, wipes, et cetera, whatever. But the other thing that I think is really big for me that I've learned over the years is just to... Forgive yourself. <laughs> like be kinder to yourself. So much of what triggers me in terms of mental health is brought on by myself. Me feeling like, man, Elaine, why didn't you get this thing done today? You're so why are you so slow? Why are you so lazy? Why are you so all that kind of negative self-talk? Why didn't you do the laundry today? And and that for me is also cyclical. You say all these things negatively to yourself. That does not oddly give you the energy to do the laundry tomorrow. You're sad about it. And that's not, it's a very simplified explanation of kind of how you feel during depression. But for me, at least it was very much, why can't I get this done? Why can't I be like a normal person? Why can't I get out of bed today and just do the laundry, go to school, whatever. But you talking yourself down that whole day doesn't give you the energy to do it the following day. So then a day becomes a week, a week becomes a month. And all you're doing this whole time is negging yourself, being negative about what you can do, what you should do, what you should be accomplishing compared to other people. For me, the biggest thing these days, if I didn't get the laundry done, I'm like, "Say, la vie. The laundry did not get done today, but you know what, it's fine. I'm fine with it. I'll tackle it tomorrow or next week. Like I just don't sweat those things anymore. I don't, I don't let it get me down. It's just part of the adult process is what I tell myself. Like my house is not a pigsty. I get the laundry done. It's just that it might not happen on the schedule that I wanted, which is today, today, today. It may just have to happen tomorrow. And I forgive myself for needing to let some things happen tomorrow. And it's okay. And I'm still kind of bad about it. Sometimes I do things and I'll say, oh my God, Elaine, why are you so stupid? And it's funny because... Nick will actually jump in, and that's my husband, and say, hey, what's this negative self-talk? You're not stupid, all right? You're a brilliant, beautiful woman, whatever he says. And I mean, I did not marry him because of this, but <laughs> incidentally, it is extremely helpful to your mental health, or at least it is to me, if you have a husband who keeps your negative talk in check. But I, those are my two biggest, absolutely, uh, trying to make sure that you're not creating a negative vortex around your own mental health. And it's huge, I think, for me.
1: I love that you said that about Nick, because that's kind of one of the things that I've learned with wisdom or with getting older, Mm -hmm. is that sometimes you can't expect yourself to get yourself out of it. Sure. You have to be strong enough to realize that to ask for help, to, to be strong enough to realize you need help and to ask for help. Sometimes that's the bravest thing you can do for yourself. And you're lucky, honestly, that he recognizes that and he does it without you even having to ask him, right? right. That's that's really wonderful. And we both of us are really lucky that we have each other. I've been here longer than Nick, I just wanna say that. So. <laughs> I'm glad he's here to take some of that burden away to everyday, you know, day to day burden, but I've been here longer than him, but we're very lucky that we have each other. And then some of our other friends from our extended group too. And I think it starts with being vulnerable enough, being brave enough to share. I agree. When you do, you'll be surprised how many other people have either been through it or going through it and and what you can do to help each other or just to know that, hey, I'm not alone. Someone else understands what I'm going through. Someone else have either been through it or or going through it and can give me some, some things to try. And I have to say, if it requires you to use medication, if it requires you to go see a professional, do that. That's something else that you and I have discussed is, Mm -hmm. being able to be smart enough to know that you need help from someone more professional to need help with taking medications to help you. And, And we've been at points where we're able to say, I think this friend, or I think you, or I think myself need to go after, you know, after sharing a story, after sharing our experiences, sometimes the best advice you hear from a friend is, Hey, consider this, consider talking to someone professional. And that's yep. really comes with, you know, I think that's the difference between, let's just say it this way. That's the difference between us going into our forties versus us in college, going through depression, barely knowing that that's what's happening to us. Right. I think that's the biggest growth we've had is to be able to recognize it's braver. It's stronger to ask
0: for help. Right. And I 100% agree with that. I can't emphasize that enough. I've said a lot that if i had realized that what i felt back when i was depressed was depression if i had been like oh i'm depressed and i had realized there was actual help out there that i could get to cope with it i would have jumped all over it if i had realized there was something that could have made me feel better faster because there were years of struggles and i feel like if i'd gotten help for it sooner, I guess I could have just been more, I maybe I could have done more, achieved more. But I think more importantly is that for our listeners, if you are struggling, Chi and I are obviously not mental health professionals, but we're here to listen. If you you have our email, our Instagram, if you need to drop us a line, but more importantly, it is not weakness to go get help for your mental health issues. I agree with Chi 100% on this. Don't think of it as weak. You're brave for speaking what everyone thinks you should keep inside. Society isn't very mental health friendly. And I think we're getting there. Hopefully one day we will be. But it is strength to stand up and say, I need help. It is strong to be able to go out and seek the help that you need. And so if you are struggling and you need to talk to somebody, we absolutely encourage you, hey, get help, get treatment, it is not weakness to need to take medication or anything like that. And I think that's really how, what we're going to conclude it on. Um, If you need us, we're here for you. We hope that if you're struggling, that you'll go out there and get help, but that's it for this week's easier with a friend as always. Thank you all for tuning in. We really, really appreciate your support of our young podcast for next week. Our final resolution series episode We actually will have a special guest joining us, so be sure to tune in. Please remember to follow us on Instagram at easierwithafriend, on our Facebook page easierwithafriend, or email us at easierwithafriend at gmail.com.